Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's all pointing to the time when everybody knows that this is the way God is going to show himself to the world as the sovereign Lord when he restores Israel, forgives their sins, and brings them back to inherit the promises that he gave to their forefathers. Then the whole world will know, like, there is a God. There is only one true God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 29 through 36. Now here's Pastor Brian. The ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, because they ravaged and crushed you from every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander. Therefore, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins and the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the sovereign Lord says in my burning zeal, I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom for with glee and with malice in their hearts, they made my land their own possession so that they might plunder its pasture land. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I speak in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown, and I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. Now stop right there for a second. So this is a prophecy, and there are many places in the prophets where you will have a prophecy that has a near fulfillment and a distant fulfillment. Probably the, the one that's the most blatant is uh, Isaiah 7.14. So Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. So this is a prophecy of the virgin birth, and Matthew tells us that that's exactly what it is. In Matthew chapter 1, when he talks about the virgin birth of Jesus, he said this happened to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. But when you read the Isaiah prophecy, which clearly was a prophecy about the future Messiah. 
Yet as you read it, it starts talking about this child that's going to be born. And before this child knows the difference between good and evil, before the child you know, is weaned and, and eating solid food, these two kings are going to be removed from their position of power. So there's a, a near fulfillment, and then there's a distant fulfillment. And, and you have this in Ezekiel a lot because, of course, they're going to come back from the Babylonian captivity. But we know, for one thing, that all Israel did not come back from the Babylonian captivity because only Judah went into the Babylonian captivity. The other 10 nations had already been carried into captivity by the Assyrians and were assimilated and never really had the kind of return to the land like the Judeans did. So the Judeans came back into the land, but none of the rest of them did. But here, notice the prophecy, it's referring to all Israel. So all the tribes are going to end up coming back. So this is where we see that there's a a future, uh, a distant thing that's being spoken of here, as well as the more a near fulfillment that will happen at the end of the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. So that's just something that we have to recognize is a, it's a feature of Old Testament prophecy, the near and the far. And so he goes on and he says, I'm concerned for you, verse nine, I will look on you with favor, you will be plowed and sown. I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will increase the number of people and animals living on you and they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past and I will make you prosper more than before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause people, my people Israel, to live on you. They will possess you and you will be their inheritance, and you will never again deprive them of their children. He's speaking about the land. And this is what the sovereign Lord says, because some say to you, you devour people and deprive your nation of its children. Therefore, you will no longer devour people or make your nation childless, declares the sovereign Lord. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nations, and no longer will you suffer the scorn of the peoples or cause your nation to fall, declares the sovereign Lord. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name for it was said of them, these are the Lord's people and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So remember these words right here, because as we go into 37, 38, and 39, this is it's prophesying of this period that's, that's still yet in the future. And it is the thing that's going to happen here, as God is saying, is that he will prove to all of the nations that he is the one true God, that he is the God of Israel. And as we're going to see, and the nations are going to understand, they're going to understand the plight of the Jewish people throughout history. They will understand then why the Jews had the experiences they had among the nations. They had those experiences because they forsook the Lord and the Lord forsook them. And all of the world is going to understand that at a certain point. Now, just really quick, from the time of the Babylonian captivity, from the time Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem, the Jews never had sovereign reign over their land after that. It was a succession of empires that would then rule over them. So Persian Empire came after the Babylonian Empire and then the Greek Empire. And during that time, there were all kinds of crazy things that went on in the land, among the people, the Greek empire divided into four different parts and the Seleucids were in the north in Syria and the Ptolemies were in the south in Egypt and they were always battling each other and vying for power and they were dominating and trampling on Israel the entire time and Israel was living in relative apostasy during those years as well. Then, of course, the Romans came to power. And, and after the Romans not only you know, conquered, subdued, and ruled over the Jews, then, of course, the, the Romans dispersed them with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the final uh, revolt in 135 AD. And you know, from that point forward, they were wanderers among the nations until... 1948. So from the time of Nebuchadnezzar until 1948, and even if we don't want to get more specifically, 1967, uh, Jerusalem was not under Jewish control until 1967. So for all of these centuries, as God declared, they would be scattered among the nations. And the nation and that land would be trampled. And that land would be dominated by all of these different powers. And, you know, you had the, again, at the, at the end of the, the Roman period, then you had the time of the, 
the Eastern Empire. Then you had in the seventh century, the rise of Islam. And then you had the Ottoman Turks. And then the First World War was, you know, the Turks lost. They were part of that group of nations that lost the war. And then the British took over the land. And then again, finally, in 1948, the Jews reestablished the state. But all of this history, it's all woven into these, these references here. I mean, this is the, the period of time that we're talking about. But the promise is, God says, I'm going to bring you back. After all of this, I'm going to bring you back. And so now some people look at the current state of Israel and they, some people just look at it as a fluke of history. Wow, it's just one of those things that happened. Some Christians even look at it that way and think, well, there's nothing necessarily biblically significant about it. It's just kind of fascinating that this happened. Uh, I personally think that God providentially brought them back there. Now, I think one mistake that we make, though, is I think sometimes we, we get out in front of God. And, and, and here, as we finish up chapter 36, I'm going to give you an example of how we do that. Nothing that we're reading here has yet happened. But certain things have happened that kind of seem like a little bit of what's written here is being fulfilled. But what's written here is about the future, and it all has to do with the ultimate reconciliation of the nation to God. And you know how that happens? That happens through the nation embracing the Messiah. So until the nation embraces the Messiah, there is no renewing of the covenant. There is no blessing like, we're being, like it's being talked about here. But I think in God's providence, of course, you know, he has brought them back into the land. And there are certain things that are almost like a little bit of a shadow of what will be in the future. But they're not, it's not, it's not yet. And I talked about this a little bit last week. That's where we have to be really careful when it comes to Bible prophecy. We can't let the events going on around us determine what's going on in regard to the details of God fulfilling his promises to Israel. Because we don't know, all we know is what the scripture says, and the scripture doesn't give us that, the kind of detail that we often are, are looking for. So we, we want to be wise when it comes to the subject of Bible prophecy. I think there's been a lot of just an unwise approach to a lot of these things over the years. And, uh, and I think because of the lack of wisdom, there's been a lot of people that have been turned off by even the, the message itself. And I don't want to turn people off. The, you know, the message of Jesus coming again and all of that, that's the greatest message in the world. We want to we wanna hold on to that with everything that we have. And we want to you know, believe that. And we want to understand it as much as we can. It's just when we think we can understand it better than we can, we end up shooting ourselves in the feet. And so we don't want to do that. So, but let's look at what it says here. So verse 24, he says, here's what God says. He says, for I will take you out of the nations. 
I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back. So you see, this is a, a, a larger dispersion than just the Babylonian. I mean, it's all the countries. Bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land that I gave to your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. Okay, you see how clear that is? I'm gonna give you a new heart. In other words, you're gonna be converted. Then you're gonna live in the land. The current situation is you have an unconverted people living in the land. So that tells us automatically that, that what is the current situation in Israel is not the fulfillment of this. This is yet to come. So God is one day going to give them, as he said here, he's going to give them a new heart. And so this is talking about the national conversion. It's talking about what Jeremiah prophesied, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. But again, remember, the new covenant is the covenant through the Messiah. And we have entered into that covenant, but the nation of Israel has not entered into it. So, but that's what's being described here. And so in that day, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. And I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of, your, of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourself for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced of your conduct people of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities were lying in ruin, desolate, and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. This is what the sovereign Lord says once again. I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed festivals, so will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So here's the thing. Everything that we're going to read from this point forward, specifically 37, 38, and 39, it's all pointing to the time when everybody knows that this is the way God is going to show himself to the world as the sovereign Lord, the creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The whole world is going to know that he is the Lord when he restores Israel 
forgives their sins and brings them back to inherit the promises that he gave to their forefathers, then the whole world will know like there is a God. There is only one God. There is only one true God. So again, let's just remember that what we see today in, in the land of Israel is not what we're reading about here yet. Because if we, if we get that wrong, then we're going to, our thinking about the, the situation there is going to be off. And I don't think it's healthy when we end up that way. And so I think we have to, we, we always have to be careful to not read into the biblical text what we think it should say. We have to make sure we're just letting the text speak for itself and, and then understanding it in regard to that. So that's what's called exegesis. Exegesis is to, to understand the text for simply what it says. Another word, eisegesis, is to read something into the text. And I think that when it comes to the subject of Bible prophecy, when it comes to the subject of the nation of Israel, I think a lot of times there's more reading into the text things that we are assuming and thinking. But when we look closely at the text, we realize, wait, that's not really in the text. That's not what the text says. And next week, I hope to show you even more clearly how that principle is so important. Because next week, we're going to look at the the famous prophecies about Russia. The famous prophecies about Russia attacking Israel. But we're going to have to ask a question. Does the text say that Russia is going to attack Israel? Does the text say that? We'll, We'll find out next week if the text says that or not. But then also... You know, not only is there uh, basically an interpretation that that is what's going to happen, but there's also a scenario that is very common among certain people, especially within the Calvary Chapel family of churches. There's, there's a very common interpretation of these, of these passages that I personally think is, the, is due to reading things into the passage rather than letting the passage just speak for itself. And so I don't want to you know, spoil everything for next week. But next week, we're going to look at Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. And I want to show you that it doesn't say what we commonly think it says. And we'll, we'll look at every word of it to see exactly what it does say. And now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. And One website. we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version answering 50 of the top objections and questions 
kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condones slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.